0: Hello and welcome to the Husker Cuzcast, the official podcast of Huskerhype.com. I am your fill-in host Derek as Justin decided to take the week off after lack last weekend's game, a game that included no defense from the black shirts and a run game that even Mike Leach would have been ashamed of. Just kidding Justin is actually in the process of moving into his new house. So good luck to him and his family with that, with that. As we all know what a stressful time that can be. Joining me today is Tyler and our special guest Adam Sutton of Husker Hype family. Let's begin, shall we? Speaking of last week's game, it was another terrible first half where in the second quarter we could only amass three total yards on offense, on 12 plays, going four straight three and outs. Then in the second half, suddenly we scored 34 points. The defense gave up 28 points in that quarter, but was pretty abysmal throughout the entire game. Adam, what were your thoughts on this game?
1: I'm um, honestly shocked that the game started how it did in the first quarter. Um, I actually missed the first half because I was running errands, which that, that gives you any indication about how I viewed the game. Uh, but I, I ended up deciding to watch it at a bowling alley because I didn't practice, and I figured if I did poorly then I could just blame it on the Huskers. So, um, you know, I, I'll say this. I do feel terrible for the, the offense because they really did play lights out as far as, like, their, their effort level, I guess. And people have been begging for them to turn it up a notch. The defense just looked the same horrible loss. Like, it's just tackling was suffering everything. But, uh, I mean, they did never give up. The first half was abysmal to watch. second half looked better. But, you know, like people talked about, they put in their backups. And that's kind of what you get. But uh, Tanner Lee looked really great towards the end. He was throwing some really accurate passes. And Stanley Morgan somehow had his best game of the year in the worst possible conditions. So, I mean, good for him. So, hopefully see more records broken in the last game against Iowa. All
0: right, Tyler. I mean, you're
2: in a line about this defense. I mean, this is the first time since 1945 that we have given up 50 points in consecutive games. I mean, this defense has gotten worse as the year has gone on. Um, you know, I, I, last week we had the debate whether where was the turning point in the Riley era. And, you know, we, we threw out Diaco a little bit, but looking back, that that hire could not have turned out worse. This defense isn't executing it at all. Um, on the flip side, the offense. You know, Tanner Lee struggled a lot the first half of the season, especially in the month of September. And with the exception of the Northwestern game, he's played a pretty damn good second half of the year. And this is up there with his best games of the year. This in Purdue, um, he had 399 yards and completed 63% of his passes and. As you said, Adam, just horrible conditions. You know, this guy has looked sharp, um, and he's doing it under duress. And it reminds me of when Zach Taylor was in Lincoln. That guy was under duress his whole tenure in Lincoln, getting beat up. And he earned a lot of favor with Husker Faithful for being tough and sticking through it. I, I don't know where the future of Tanner Lee goes, but this he's starting to show me a little bit of Zach Taylor in the way he's sticking the games in the heart and making plays as it goes on.
1: I, and I feel like when you have an offensive line like uh, Nebraska's had, he kind of has to take those hits, but he just keeps coming up, and he just steps right back up. And I feel like you want to play for him, and I think that's what the wide receivers have been doing. And you know, even Draven Bradley, as they go Wilbon, they all just they kept going.
2: So I mean, it's impressive. A hundred percent. And and y- and you talk about that. And the thing about Tanner Lee, and and maybe some people have given him a bad rap because of all the interceptions, but the guy is stoic. He doesn't appear to get rattled and and yes his execution at times has been bad and he has made some of the worst interceptions I have seen and I'm not going to sit here and say he's the best quarterback Nebraska's ever had but you know I I know that we're may not be looking at much more time under Mike Riley it would have been intriguing to see another year of Tanner Lee in this offensive system yeah
1: it almost seemed like he was trying out for the pros in this game I mean just the way that they kept throwing the ball around and I mean, it's perfect for film. Scouts are going to love it. So,
0: You know, absolutely. You guys are right. Tanner Lee has looked a lot better in the second half of the season. But back to the defense just a little bit. Man, 208 total yards for Barkley <sighs> in, in the first half. He averaged 10.1 yards per carry in that first half. And, it, and then <sighs> Penn State as a whole through the, throughout the whole game averaged 8.9 yards yards per play. And, you know, it's just, oh, it's so agonizing to sit and watch that. I think this is the second game in a row that we've given up eight over eight yards per play.
1: Well, hey, at least he held them to less than Jonathan Taylor, I guess. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's, that's embarrassing. But still, like a potential Heisman winner, only, only ran for those. <laughs> Even though he still did get Big Ten Offensive Player of the Year or Week True. Again, which
0: true but anytime your defense gives up 609 yards you know it's a bad
1: yeah
0: and i was reading something about
1: that being a record for penn state since like 1995 i think most yards for penn state team or something along those lines i can't remember i think it was most yards since rutgers in 1995
2: pretty sure yeah that's that's pretty bad if this the thing that pisses me off is the way that the offense played and i'm not help i'm not even gonna say the offense the way that tanner lee Stanley Morgan, J.D. Spielman, and DePierre Poirsonel played. Like it's really those guys because the offensive line sucked. The running game it was awful. Uh, it, I mean, it was really those guys and the way they played. They left it all on the field. If the defense showed up at all, and Bob at Diaco all. Is, at all, Bob Diaco is also auditioning for another job. And I, you know, this guy we all heard all you know, the summer, and all throughout the season, how fiery he is. And if I hear one more damn interview with him saying, I'm disgusted with our performance, get the guys somewhat ready. You don't even have to be
0: good. Just yeah. not record-breaking bad. just have to Mediocre would suck. be nice at this point, yes.
1: Like, if we can put up 46 points, all you have to do is not suck. That's it. <laughs> it's not. It's not – Uh, It's just not rocket science. and I mean, I understand the idea of like switching from a 4-3 to a 3-4 and everything, but maybe, I mean, not to crap on him even more, but maybe it wasn't a good idea to fully commit to that 3-4. Maybe we should have gone 75% 4-3 the first year, and then maybe 50-50 the second year, and then maybe fully into his system year 2-3, if that were even possible. But it feels like we went all in, and our players just don't understand it. They just... I, I,
0: lost. I think what makes it so agonizing is tackling has not gotten any better. Oh. They're, they're in the uh, wrong position, nonstop. Even if they are in the right position, they arm tackle, and they it's yeah. just running backs just run right through our tackles, and it's just painful. But
1: Derek, Derek, that's clearly the rugby style of tackling. That's <laughs> the, it's totally
2: that. I mean, you I know. would. Well, it's sure, it's sure putting some- a strain on everybody. So oh, can I you would feel kill for <laughs> some rugby style tackling right now. I, I would go for
1: any tackling. Any tackling would be nice. I mean, oh, God, you know, and I do feel bad too for like, like Lamar Jackson, for example. That play, he gets, he gets shit on so much by the media and by our fans and everything else too, because he just doesn't make tackles and he does it. And I completely see that. But the kid does love the game and he's trying so hard. And I just wish it would click for him. Like, I just wish that one day it just sets in, because he talks to the media, he tries to be a leader, he does everything that he needs to off the field, but then when he gets on it, he just just doesn't look like a four-star athlete. Like, he just doesn't. Well, maybe a new He's coaching staff Frost. can help him out. Hey, hopefully. I mean, look at look at what they've done with some of the two and three stars down there at UCF if Scott Frost does
0: come. Well, speaking of which, okay, we we have one game left on the season at home against Iowa. We'll get to that shortly. But first... <laughs> Mike Riley's seat seems to be hot enough to be coming straight out of the fiery depths of hell right now. And most fans <laughs> on social media, and the ones I've spoke with, are mostly pushing for, to get Scott Frost as our next head coach. He has an impressive resume, albeit short so far, and is the last quarterback to lead the Big Red to a national title. But is that enough? My question for you guys, is, Frost, is Scott Frost the best hire for Nebraska? Tyler, kick it off.
2: He's the one I want. Um, you, you know, he's number one on my list. He's the prodigal son. Um, I mean, this guy, he, he was their last quarterback to win a national championship. You know, I, I've sat here for years looking at schools like Ohio state getting urban Meyer, uh, you know, Ohio guy and Michigan getting Jim Harbaugh, uh, you know, alumni. And I've been like envious of the schools being able to pick back and wondering, are we ever going to have that magical alumni? We have it now. I mean, it's Scott Frost and, I know we're probably going to discuss in a little bit his flaws, and he has some. He has some shortcomings. But, dude, the, well, you cannot deny what he's doing at UCF. The guy has learned from some of the best coaches in the business. He is accomplishing what Tom Herman did last year at Houston, which made him the hottest name in coaching that made Texas go after him and LSU. They were fighting over him. I mean, that's Scott Frost this year. We have a battle to get him, but he's my number one. All right, Adam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly,
1: I think that a lot of the hesitation from certain people is more a matter of they're scared of overvaluing him because of the ties to Nebraska, and it's it gets to a point where maybe we're being too hesitant about it because I mean, you look throughout almost every single sports network, any sort of coaches around the country, they're commenting on how good of a job Scott Frost is doing and just how he's in the top three at least as far as. Available coaches or not necessarily even available, but just targets for places. I mean, if you look at Florida and Tennessee and then talk about UCLA now in the picture and everything is and it's just There's a reason why he's desired and I think he is the best option for us right now not only just because he's from Nebraska, but It's because of the fact that he'll unify or at least to a certain extent bring people together around the Husker fan base and I think these past three years have been so divisive with Bo Pelini fans and then you know you have people who just absolutely hated the Riley hire and then you have people who really wanted to believe in Riley and so you have these like fractions of the fan base and I think Scott Frost while maybe you know maybe Chip Kelly would be more electric or maybe you can argue that you can get like Chris Peterson or something like that but Scott Frost is someone who can come in and immediately get support from every single section of the fan base, because not only does everyone want to win and he has a, you know, he's won pretty much everywhere. He's gone, but he is just like Tyler said, a Nebraska boy. I mean, he is born and bred here in Nebraska and you know, Harbaugh for Michigan, just like Tyler said, again, like it's just, it's, something you want. You just want him. He understands the culture. He understands everything. So I think he's the best fit for us going forward. And you know that he'll get at least five years, even if he struggles within the first three, I mean, he'll still get a long time. So that's what we need.
0: And that's been always my biggest thing with frost is I kind of piggyback off a little bit. You said, but I, I do think that he unifies the fan base probably better than any other coach that we would hire. I do believe that we would be more patient with him. And if he had a few bad years, we would keep him around a little longer. And I think right now that's what Nebraska needs. Nebraska needs a fan base to get back on board and be patient with whoever we hire. And Scott Frost, I think gives you that best option.
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: Well, I I love when people claim patience because it, it is my favorite thing. because after three games this season, Mike Riley was fired. Yeah, it, and, he was. and people say patience. And it's just like, here's the reality. Mike Riley deserves to be fired because he hasn't got the job done. It has nothing to do with his age. If Mike Riley would have done six or seven wins this year, I would be sitting here saying, yeah, maybe we need to give the guy another year. But he just didn't get the job done. And well, if and- Scott Frost comes in here and his third year he goes five and seven or four and eight, I'm probably going to say we need to look for another head coach.
1: See, and that's the thing, though, is that like, you know, you might say that and everything too, but then you look at some other people who are going to be more diehard Scott Frost fans, and there's going to be people who are just like absolutely adamant about keeping him around, and they'll blame Riley, they'll blame, you know, whatever they want to blame. They'll blame i they'll blame whoever. And I think the thing for me with Scott Frost and like, and, and with Riley too, is that, it almost feels like they fired Ikorst so that they didn't terminate Riley in the middle of the season. Because I think that with the timing of Scott Frost and him coming up and everything, it just worked. So you keep Riley for the rest of the season, you wait for Frost to have his season out, and I think that that's what their main goal was. And I think Bounds and Green both said, you know, look, this guy is successful, he's Nebraska-born and raised, people like him, they wanted him to come in before, but we didn't bring him before, here's our chance. And if we fire Riley right now, and we play the season out with its temporary coach, or we bring in someone we don't actually want that much, we're setting ourselves up for failure.
0: Oh, just a quick question for you guys. So, do you guys think that if Frost ends up in a New Year's Six Bowl, do you think he stays at UCF long enough to coach that bowl game? Tyler, you want to say it? I don't.
2: I, I, I don't <laughs> think so. I, I get I think Scott Frost is a good guy. I just don't know what he gains. And And – You know, Maybe he feels a sense of loyalty to these guys. But look, he didn't recruit these guys. These weren't his class out of high school. He's been there for two years. And I think he understands how important it is to get the ball rolling, putting his staff together, getting on that recruiting trail. I I think it's a great story. I think he would be tempted to want to do that. I just don't know what he gains. Yeah, to piggyback on that, I think that Scott Frost will want to.
1: And, I mean, he does have a few freshmen there, like his quarterback. And, you know, he's, he's got players there that he wants to coach during that. And I'm sure that it's a big, big achievement. So he might want to. But flat out, if Bill Moose says or, you know, if, if he basically says, like, look, we're going to pay you like all the rumors have been saying, like seven years for 30, 30 to 38 million or whatever it is they're talking about. And if they're saying, look, we're going to pay you this big money and we're going to be paying your assistants big money, you need to be in Nebraska the day after your conference championship or the day after we, we terminate the next coach. Because there's no excuse for you to not be, when you're in a Power 5 conference like this, to not be recruiting the second you're hired. Because that's just what you have to do. It's Jimmy's and Joe's more than X's and O's at this point. I mean, you just you have to get the, your your stuff in. So...
0: Well, with, with the early early signing period coming December 20th, yeah. I think that makes a huge difference. Uh, so let me ask you, Adam, do you see any recruits sticking around for Frost?
1: Um, I think it depends. I, I mean, being able to kind of talk to some of the recruits and get some feels from it. I really think it truly depends on if assistant coaches are kept on. Uh, I mean, really, the only assistants I can see him retaining are Keith Williams, Dante Williams, and John Perella. And Keith Williams, even though people have said, you know, like, well, the wide receivers have had drops. They haven't, you know, been as good as, like, they've been hyped up to be. Well, really, that's the most hyped up unit that's been for the entire tenure of Mike Riley. I mean, that's been – Keith has sold a lot of goods. He obviously had some issues off the the field and everything, but – his the wide receivers, just like we saw against Penn State, were really the lifeblood of this team, and we have arguably the best players at the wide receiver position coming in that we've ever had. And I think Scott Frost recognizes that, and he recognizes the how much his players play for him, and how he is a good coach. Um, Dante Williams is another thing; like he doesn't really have much of a connection to O'Reilly before he came up here. So I don't see him having any problem with staying on if he decides to stay on. Um, you know, it just depends on how he feels. He could probably get another good position as a DB coach. So if he leaves, I don't see many of the players staying. Maybe Mario Goodrich, probably Chase Williams. I mean, he's, his family is pretty big Husker fans, so they, they do like it up here quite a bit. Um, and then John Perella, like we just talked about. I don't know if you saw it too. Like Tate Welderman, he or Welderman, he actually just visited Washington State. Um, and there's been rumors about, you know, Alex Grinch, the defensive coordinator up there, possibly being, you know, someone that they target as a defensive coordinator for the new coach. But if um, if that's the case, I mean, it just depends on assistants that stay. Obviously, the Nebraska boys will probably stay on, like Cam Juergens and Maisie Malkiel, but it's all up in the air at this point. And at, for most people, if you follow recruiting and you're worried about losing some of these recruits, I would say just stop worrying at this point because if we're going to lose them, we're going to lose them.
0: Well, and if we're going to lose them, it's a small class. It's probably better to lose a small class than exactly. a larger class. Uh, Tyler, you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I
2: I, I, I could not echo more. You know, I think you, you, you gotta you can't play the game of trying to keep this class together at this point because we're not keeping Riley. <laughs> and, and when when the rumor started floating, Riley, the recruiting class was up in the air. Now maybe Scott Frost comes in and unifies it. Uh, maybe he does it. You know. You talk about where Scott Frost is. Well, my biggest concern is how is he going to be on the recruiting trail? Yeah. You know, I mean, he, he has made it known he is not a big recruiting guy. Um, you look at these guys, but you he's got the parts. If he can get these young coaches to go out and recruit for him, God, I could see Scott Frost being a closer because he knows Nebraska. He's a good-looking, you know – <laughs> Good young coach. Moms I mean, I love him. So weird. I, moms <laughs> love him. I mean, he's going go to go in. I, I, <laughs> my, my I, I to loves him. Every, everyone loves Scott Frost. He's, I mean, he's going to be able to go in. He's young. He's hip enough. I, I think he'll be able to go in and close some recruits. And that's what you need from the head coach. But it, does he feel the emphasis in it? Is he going to go out there and have a nationwide recruiting plan? I mean, those are the big question marks with him when he comes into the school.
1: Well, and I think too is that Scalfraz does understand the recruiting aspect, and I think he realizes the importance of it. Where you know, people, what always bothers me is that people are like, "Well, you know, it's coaching, and you need to have Nebraska boys." And it's like, "Well, you, and you you don't need to recruit. Recruiting is not important." And it's like you need both. You it's not it's not an exclusive thing. You should have great recruiting and great coaching. If you're a great coach, you can do both. And I think that's the thing with Frost is that he understands that recruiting is not something, like, even if he doesn't like it, like, he's openly said, like, oh, I don't like recruiting. But I don't know a lot of people that enjoy getting on a plane at 3 a.m. and then, like, flying around all day, all weekend, and not being around your family and everything. So it's like, I can't really blame him for saying that. And I kind of respect it a little more, the fact that he's just able to say, like, look, I don't really like it, but I will do it because I want to win. I want to get the best players. I want to get everyone that I can. I think that's the most important part is that he's just, he is a winner. He is just he will do what it takes.
2: And, and there may be no person better suited for understanding the pressures of Nebraska than Scott Frost. Absolutely. I mean I mean the guy came in after the perhaps the greatest team in college football history, had a good year and was considered a failure. He gets yeah. Nebraska and this is not a, maybe new, a little too much, maybe a little, maybe a little too, a little too yeah. much. You said it better. but he gets it. He knows the standards. So if he takes his job, he full heartedly knows what he's getting himself into.
1: Yeah. And I think that that big paycheck is really what's going to offset any sort of worry there, too. I think ultimately it comes down to if his wife will be able to handle the cold weather. <laughs> I think she's from uh, Arizona. I'm not really sure. I can't remember. I think it's Arizona or Oregon or something.
0: I heard her parents live in Arizona, but I don't. I, I digress because I don't know, and I don't. I couldn't, even tell, you, I couldn't even tell you her name, so I shouldn't be. I don't Where she's from, I'm uh, pretty sure. I, I apologize. I kind of put you both on the spot on that last question. That really wasn't in our agenda no, here. Fine. So uh, we'll, we'll move on. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll move on from there. Okay, now there's been a lot of speculation, especially after Frost came out and denied any rumors that he and Nebraska are nearing a deal. Take that with Florida, Tennessee, and now UCLA all with coaching vacancies, and talk of them all being interested in Scotty Tuhati. If he decides to go another route. <laughs> and if Bill or if Bill Moose decides he'd rather go another route, outside of Frost, who would your top hires be for Nebraska? Adam, take it away.
1: So I will say, so I think the funny thing for this, I just want to point out too Frost, and the way that the reporter asked the question when he, she talked about it, was, is it is there any truth to you agreeing to a deal with Nebraska? And he said that's absolutely false. So the rumor was that they were close to a deal. And when he said that, he basically said, you know, that's not true. We haven't agreed to a deal. And I always I find that, sp- that interesting specifically because people always talk about, like, well, he said it's completely false, like he didn't agree to a deal and everything. It was like, well, the rumor was more that he was close to it and he didn't deny that. So it's like, you know, he wasn't lying. I mean, he definitely said the truth. But it's like, um, and if he if it ends up being that he's saying that because he really isn't coming, then so be it. But um, I guess for me, the coaches that, that I would see coming here especially, or there's been talk about Chris Peterson up in, up in Washington. Um, you know, he's, he's had great success up there. Um, Patterson, Gary Patterson down at TCU. I don't think that we'll be able to pull him away from the Fort Worth area, but it would be great to see that offense here. Um, and then even more so, just just for pure entertainment's sake, Mike Leach. I mean, just because it's just, not only is he a, he's just a clown as it is. Like, if you ever get the chance to just watch his press conferences and everything, he is hilarious. He doesn't yell. He just doesn't get, like, animated anything like that. He's just He's very dry wit, and I mean, he just teases reporters and makes them feel dumb. And I think that that's something that maybe our local media needs. But and on top of that, he just he has such an entertaining offense. And Moose and Bill Moose really loves that. I mean, he openly stated, you know, in the middle of a in to in order to really attain that rebuild that he had in Washington State, he needed to find an offense that was entertaining. And I think ultimately that's what he's going to look for if he can't get Scott Frost is someone to entertain the fans because right now people aren't entertained. And as, if they're entertained and we're, you know, pulling a six and six and seven season or something like that, at least there's going to be to a point where they're entertained. So.
2: All right, Tyler. Uh, you know, Mike Leach would be an interesting cat. I, and, and, you know, I, I've, I thought about him a little bit in the next coaching hire. I mean, the guy has been – relatively successful everywhere he's been but in my opinion he is just a barely a step above uh mike riley i mean the guy's never won the big one he's been around a while i think he'd be a fine hire i I don't know if he's going to be the one um you know a name that's been thrown around a lot is matt campbell out of iowa state that buyout is scary um and and i think matt campbell's a good coach but I, when I, he was my number one until I really started thinking about this. And then you look at this; he did good things at Toledo, but not great. His record at Iowa is right now eleven and thirteen. Iowa State, eleven and thirteen. He's seven and four this year. I mean, he could possibly go seven and five at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Which, yes, it's a hard school, but isn't that what we said about Mike Riley? You got the burn from Mike Riley. He did some good things at Iowa State yeah uh, so at the end of the day the two names that came up are chip Kelly I, I think you you if you can't get Scott Frost even if you can you need to call chip Kelly and throw it out to him because chip Kelly is Scott Frost in a lot of ways he's got a lot of influences is implementing what chip Kelly did and I think you why go out there prore when you can get the master and the other name yeah. is a guy that a lot of Husker fans are probably gonna be like I don't know about, but is Charlie strong. Oh, and, man. And, and I know he struggled at Texas. Yeah. I get it. But he was thirty-seven and fifteen at Louisville. I like the guy way the guy runs a program. He he's strict but fun. He, he has it. connections to Texas. He's got a good national recruiting basis. And he's nine and one right now in South Florida. I mean, the guy is a good coach. I get Texas was a stumble for him, but in a lot of ways, I think it was a similar situation. To what Mike Riley walked into—that was a rebuilding job that the Texas fan base killed him for. Like they they tore the team away from him before he really had a chance to build it. And I, and I'm not that the reason why he failed there, but I I think. It would be kind of fun as a Husker fan to take a failure at Texas and see him succeed.
0: <laughs> just, <laughs> just to spite
2: Texas, just yeah. to spite them.
1: So here's here's another name that I that I forgot to bring up that I was thinking about. Defensive coordinator at Clemson, Brett Venables.
0: How do you, you feel about that? Because I mean, you know, honestly, it, the only thing that scares me is we went this route once. We right. The, exactly. We would have a defensive coordinator, exactly. of Bo and, and I understand you can't judge Brent or uh, Brent Venables off of what Bo Pelini did. But I, I guess to me, I would rather have somebody with a little, at least a little bit of head coaching experience. I agree. Uh, yeah. a, a name I was a little surprised didn't get brought up, and I, maybe it's just me. What about Mike Norvell out of Memphis?
1: Yeah, it's not bad. Although the, the immediate reaction is Scott Frost beat him. And <laughs> so that's right. True, you know, and then I immediately am like, well, you know, but at the same time, he still has a good record, and it isn't exactly easy to win at Memphis either. But then I always worry about saying that sentence, it's not easy to win. And if they've found success in a place it's not easy to win, am I just arguing for Mike Riley at that point? Because exactly. it's like, you know, we really want, like, and then I'm just sitting there thinking, like, you know, you want a proven winner. Well, I mean, Memphis has had success this year, so I can't really fault him for that, but I don't know, I, I guess. And then, of course, the other one the, like, that gets brought up that's never going to happen is Bob Stoops.
0: Yeah. Like, everyone wants him he, to come out of beach, retirement. He's, he's on a beach sipping Mai Tais. He don't give two craps yep. about football right nope. now. And, uh, and if Bob Stoops comes out of retirement, it's going to be
2: solely to go to a job that he can win a national championship. Oh, yeah. Pretty quickly. Yeah. Like, so if Florida can't get him, nope. yeah, we have no shot. There's I, no chance. But this, what, what I'll say about uh, Norvell, I, I liked him too. But you look at he kind of felt followed the footsteps of Justin Fuenta, who would also be an awesome kid. I've heard some Husker fans thinking we have a shot at him. I, I just, but he followed that Memphis train and has kind of rode a similar level of success that you know Fuenta put on the map. But I, I really think it's going to be very difficult for the Huskers to take, with maybe the exception of Mike Leach, any Power Five head coach away yeah. from that program. Uh, right I just. Now. I, Right now, I just don't know. I mean, maybe we take a Matt Campbell or another really low-level pup, but I just don't see why a uh, Justin Fuente, Chris Peterson, who I would love to get Gary yeah. Patterson, why they would leave those jobs to go and try to build the same thing that they've got going at in Lincoln. I just don't
0: see it. Yeah, well, I, I yeah, have to disagree. With I have to disagree with you guys a little bit on the Mike Leach thing. Uh, you know. <laughs> I, I, I get he's entertaining. I've watched his interviews. He is funny. And, and, and Adam, maybe you're right. Maybe that is uh, something that Nebraska would need as far as the media goes. But with the Nebraska fans, with the black shirts being such a huge tradition and knowing that Mike Leach has never been a defensive guy, and he doesn't seem to – he's more worried about outscoring opponents than he is about playing defense.
2: That's I'm true. I'm not that's
0: sure true. if that would be a great fit for Nebraska. But, well, and that, and everything with the run the ball
1: crowd too. They would lose their mind in another air raid oh of offense.
0: Oh god! Yeah, oh, absolutely,
1: absolutely. Like, we're, you we're,
0: lo- we're losing our mind off of not running the ball well with the 50-50 guy. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> like we
1: typically run.
0: So yeah, I mean, I, mean, I would. If he, he would be like maybe my fourth or fifth choice. I probably, I probably oh, wouldn't put he, him in my top three, but.
1: Oh well, no, and I don't. I don't even think he's my necessarily top three for as far as like like successful. Like if we were actually going to go for coaches that are that would win us championships or someone that like I would really like strive for to get into Power Five cents, Mike Leach probably wouldn't be up there. But really, that's all he is is an entertaining aspect, and he's connections. And I don't think that he's even going to consider it. I mean, unless no. he starts but. But even then, I think he takes something else. I think he goes somewhere. It's not Washington State. I mean, I can see him. maybe UCLA takes a takes a gander at him and just says, you know, hey look, we're in California. You don't have to deal with your your president and everything. I mean, it's one of the reasons Bill Moose left too, was button heads of their president. So
0: Well Tyler sent me a mess a, a article the other day talking about UCLA's what was it, top six or seven, maybe eight hires. I I don't remember the number. Jeez. Oh, but, 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 but one the of bottom, the people- but the bottom one on it was Mike Riley. And I found it entertaining.
1: <laughs> I mean, he really, if anyone could pull people away from USC, Mike Riley could probably do it. Just because he has so many connections in California. I mean, it, it's absurd how many high school coaches and like trainers and like athletes and everything out there just love him. And I mean, you know, obviously he didn't find success here, but he if he does want to continue coaching, he's gonna find something to do.
0: And UCLA, yeah. I think, would be a good fit for him. I really do. And, and there was this, there's this rumor
2: going around with UCLA. There's two rumors right now. One, they're big on Chip Kelly. Chip Kelly, that's his school. That's where he's uh-huh. going to. And then there's the other. Well, Je- Jeff Fisher's got some. I don't actually know. Maybe. Oh, maybe, God. Uh, yeah. maybe there's a little little buzz from our friend of our podcast, Brian Wilson, out there about Jeff Fisher. But the other rumor <laughs> yeah. is that uh, career UCLA wants made. to go cheap. <laughs> That, that, you know, they overextended themselves to the gym more. They are not a school that traditionally spends on football. You know how you get a cheap coach? Mike Riley's a damn cheap coach. You, you Probably, can ride him and yeah. make it work. So
1: Well, and that's the thing is that they've, they've really put themselves in debt as far as, like, just in general. Well, and being California in general, as it is, you're going to be facing a lot of issues with money at that point. But, I mean, they, they do have the alumni and the boosters and everything to get the coffers full. So it's like, I don't think that they're too worried about it. But yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, if you want to go lower and still get a coach that has a ton of connections... I mean, the thing for me, if UCLA is really smart, you bring Mike Riley in as an offensive coordinator slash assistant head coach, and you bring in, like, a younger coach. And you literally have Riley there to call the offense, to get people in there, to give him guidance and everything. And then you have the head coach who actually guides the team. Because that's, realistically, Mike Riley has a great offensive mind. He just... I. I think that he just shouldn't be as a head coach maybe anymore. But, yeah, I don't know.
0: All right, guys. Well, I suppose we probably probably get moving on. Now, as I stated before, we have one game left on the season as bowl eligibility slipped away last week. Tell us, what should we be watching for in this Iowa game? And do we have a legit shot at beating the Hawkeyes, who did just lose to Purdue last weekend? Tyler, since you have insistently shown your love for Iowa, let's start with you.
2: (laughs) You know, a couple weeks ago, Iowa beat Ohio State. And and I equate Iowa beating a team to watching a friend get punched in the nuts. It's funny to watch, but it makes you sick if it happens to you. No one wants to lose to Iowa. I mean, they are the toilet scum of the Big Ten. They barely deserve to be a football. They don't even really deserve to be a state. And, and to for me to sit here this week and to be scared that we might look and lose to the chicken shit Hawkeyes is astonishing. But I am because our defense hasn't played well. But the one thing that gives me a little bit of faith or hope is I know how alumni feel about playing their former school. Diaco in Iowa, you would think if anything, Diaco is going to want to show up to beat the Hawkeyes this week. Um, you would think yeah. if there's one thing you would do, we have seniors on that defensive side that this is their last game. And the vibe I've gotten from Twitter and the media is that they they know they'd let this season slip through. And I think they are, especially on that defensive side, they're going to come up the show. Uh, Chris Jones, Chris, Chris Weber, Josh Kalu, they're going to come the show this weekend. But. <laughs> Is it enough? I mean, that's really the question yeah. that we have right now. I
0: mean, yeah, I
1: mean,
2: I'm kind, of, I'm, yeah, I'm kind of right there with you. I uh, I
1: have Iowa fans at my work, and it's it's painful. It's really painful the past two years because, you know, we were pretty much fifty fifty with them, and at this point, it feels like we are behind them on everything. And and I know it's just a matter of time before we get our team back on track because you know. When you have Brian Ferentz and Kirk Ferentz as two coaches on your team, you're bound to still be a mediocre team for the rest of eternity, as long as they have you. And Kirk Ferentz is pretty sure signed a contract for 40 years. So when he's 130 still coaching on the sidelines and his son is like 100 – then yeah, they're still going to be the same mediocre bullshit team that they were before. Yet they're still going to pull out games like they did against Ohio, Ohio State. They when they destroyed them and they did so well. They're still going to play up and beat teams or face teams like Penn State where they take them to a last second score. It's horseshit, and it, you know it sucks because once in a while they're going to have great seasons. But we need to get to a point where we're you know going into the game just knowing we're going to beat them and just getting to that point and. Right now, it's just not that point. And if if fourth quarter Nebraska of this of a Penn State game steps onto the field, cocky as shit, no, like, look, we're gonna rock you guys, we're gonna run you over, we're gonna get Stanley Morgan out there, get him another 150 yard game, get him the first a thousand yard receiving receiver in Nebraska. J.D. Spielman, maybe he'll get close to a thousand yards. I mean, he's sitting at what, like in the mid 800s, yeah. mid something like that. I believe is. it's it's yeah, and so it's like let's let's go out on a high note and right off into the sunset on a win against a team that we hate and you know it, it, worst comes to worst if we do lose to Iowa i mean the season's already up the season's already done essentially for the most part it would just be really nice to just get that final like just you know this is what this is the worst like the worst record that we've had in a very very long team and for us to come in and beat Iowa and just rub their face in it it would just be so wonderful but you know, Like I said, it just depends on which team shows up because Iowa does have those great games where they look like a national contender and then they have, again, the other games where they look like, just like Tyler said, a garbage pile of shit.
0: Well, you know, I, Iowa is for rents. That's That's what it is. And, and mm-hmm. at the end of the day, he is the same coach year in and year out. And every two or three years, he gets on the hot seat and he pulls out some... 10 or 11 or possibly even a 12 <laughs> win record and, and then two or three years later there he's back on the hot seat because he sucks again so there's no reason Nebraska shouldn't be beating him at least in those two or three years when they have that one really good year and we lose to if you lose to him in that year okay it happens but it, to you, me, to me, the best point, thing at I'm... this point I think all you can do is just root for Riley he's a good guy we all know he's done after this game for the most part. I mean maybe there's one small sliver that he saves his job. I just don't see it. But I think what you gotta do is just gotta <laughs> root for Riley. Take you know, send him out with a good hurrah. He, he's a likable guy. I've never been a big support I've never been the biggest fan of him, but he is a respectable guy. And I hate to I don't I don't wish any ill will on the guy. And you know, we got some seniors on this team that I'm sure would love to go out with a win. So uh, let's let's do it for them, I guess.
2: Yeah, my my fa- my my favorite thing about Iowa is their head coach because I feel like he puts them in the perfect purgatory. That he, <laughs> he does that one year that keeps his, does his job. But but do you realize if we beat Iowa this weekend, they'll be six and six on the year. I mean that Iowa hasn't had a great football season, and they're stuck with him. For another decade. I mean, th- there's no way they're
0: getting rid of this. At least <laughs> mean, well, I mean, And I believe, doesn't Nebraska actually finish higher than Iowa if we beat them? Aren't we tied right now? In the standings, yes. In the standings. In the Big Ten standings. Which is so So to be behind Nebraska at 5-7, I think we just have to be a slap in the face, right? So, I mean, we're going to fire our coach again after beating
1: them. Are you kidding me? How <laughs> insulting would that be if a team if a team beats you twice and they fire you after they beat you? <laughs> like, I mean, the, the Sean Icarus quote, and I know people don't like Sean course and everything like that, yada, yada, but, like, the 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 quote, we just had to evaluate where Iowa was, is still one of the most beautifully petty <laughs> and just, like, insulting. it's just... It's beautiful. It's just ah, it's just so great. And so it's just entertaining. And you got to feel terrible as an Iowa fan
0: being like, well, they
1: beat us and they
0: fired their coach. That's horrible. Well, may- maybe a finally heats up this rivalry that the media has been shoving down our throat for the last five <laughs> six years, however long. They're just upset that we have better corn. True, true. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's move on. Uh, now, let's get into uh, the predictions for the week. I'll start by giving off uh, last week's results. It was a better week for the cousins, although one could argue last week's games were pretty predictable. Tyler, you let Justin come back to within one game of you. Ooh, it's a tight race now. Uh, Justin went five and one, bringing the, his total to thirty-seven and thirty. Tyler, you went four and two to bring your total of thirty-eight and twenty-nine, and I was five and one, bringing mine to forty-three and twenty-four, giving me a Pretty commanding lead with just this week in the championship week remaining. Damn Longhorns! <laughs> they pulled through for <laughs> one time. Uh, uh, you pick them one fixes. time and they win. Uh, you you can't you can't argue that magic. All right, well, let's get into our picks here. Uh, first off, we have you uh, South Florida at number thirteen. Central Florida, the War on I four is what they call this game. Interesting. Central Florida is favored by eleven points. Tyler, who you got?
2: You know, I, I know all the Husker fans are all on the Frost bandwagon, but it's kind of funny. It would almost be better for the Huskers if South Florida won this game. It would be, because, yeah, because it would it would clear up the conference championship week. So if we went and hired him, he wouldn't have to coach that. He'd be in Lincoln sooner. He wouldn't be in a, probably a New Year's Day six, which means he probably wouldn't coach. Uh, but unfortunately for Husker fans, Central Florida is going to win this game. Adam? Yeah, I mean, like like Tyler just said, I mean, it, honestly, it would be better
1: for him to, to – uh, not better for him, but better for the Husker fans if he does lose it, which obviously you don't want to cheer for him to lose because – it would be great for himself, for the team, for recruits. I mean, even necessarily for Nebraska, as far as like momentum goes, to have a coach that went undefeated and then came over here. But uh, yeah, UCF is gonna is gonna win. I just don't see Charlie Strong being able to hold up against that offense, and uh, it just it could end up being brutal because their their offense has just been really really good. And Shaquem, I think it's Shaquem Griffin, Grifford. What's his name? Gifford, the linebacker for UCF. I can't remember his name, but he has been playing
0: so well. And so I just, I don't see USF being able to do it. All right, yeah, just, Justin also picked uh, Central Florida. I, I, I agree. Scott Frost, I think his offense is just too much for Charlie Strong's defense. This could be a close game, but maybe a little closer than 11 points that they're favored by. But I, Central Florida, just I, I think they're too much for South Florida right now.
1: And I would say that there's a home field advantage, but we all know like seven fans in the UCF stands <laughs> won't make
0: much of a difference. So True, true but maybe I mean, 5,000 Nebraska fans in the stands.
1: <laughs> that is true. That's what they should do. They should have like all, you should, everyone, that's what we're saying. Husker Coast podcast is begging all Nebraska fans to go down to Orlando, go to the UCF USF game, and just blot out the stands. But be Absolutely. careful because they might fall apart
0: on you. <laughs> All right. The next game we have is number one, Alabama at Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Alabama's favored by four. Tyler. Well, here's my annual pick
2: against Bama and look like a jackass time. Uh, I got Auburn in this game. Alabama's without four of their starting uh, linebackers. Auburn is 18th in the country on the ground. I, I just think Auburn's playing great football, and I don't think Alabama is immune to injuries. They could be without six starters uh, from the beginning of the season on defense. I just think at Auburn, Auburn finds a way to pull the upset. All right, Adam. Um, I have
1: a golden rule, which is never pick against Nick Saban. And I have every...
2: Literally, I think I've
1: picked against Nick Saban seven times in my entire life, and I've lost every single one of them. So I'm going with Alabama, and but and not not to say that I don't like that I don't disagree with you uh, or that I don't agree with you, Tyler. It's just that I can't pick against him. I, I just every single time. So I'm going to Alabama. It just regardless of injuries, Nick Saban somehow figures away. He's like Bill Belichick. He could be playing with like a linebacker as a quarterback and somehow
0: win a game. Like it's just stupid. It's hard to argue that. Uh, Justin also picked Alabama. Uh, Tyler, I kind of agree with you on this one. Like, Alabama, really, you could probably say the biggest game they've played this year was against Mississippi State, and Auburn beat Georgia 40-17 to at home. And with, with this being at Auburn, I, they're playing too good at home. I have to stick with Auburn on this one. Might come to back, bet me and ask Cause you're right. You know, usually don't go you know, you're saving, but I, I don't know. So, all right. Next game we have is number nine, Notre Dame at number 20 Stanford playing for the legends trophy. Notre Dame is favored by two Tyler. I, I think this is going to be the most competitive game of the
2: weekend. Um, I think both these teams are really good ball clubs, but, uh, you know Bryce Love out of Stanford has 1,700 yards this season, and he's missed two games. He is up there uh, with Barkley as the best running backs in this country. A um, couple weeks ago, Notre Dame got ran off the field. Uh, they gave up 250 yards on the ground in that loss. I just think that running game is going to be too much for Notre Dame to handle. Too many plays. Stanford pulls out just a little bit. Okay, Adam. Yeah, um, this is this is one of those games. We were watching the the Navy
1: Notre Dame game, which is which was entertaining as hell. Watching the option and everything against Notre Dame, and they really actually struggled there against the run and everything against Navy. And like you said, Love has just been he's been outstanding. And honestly, I might put Love over Saquon Barkley. Yeah, it's just, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to argue either way because they're both so good. But yeah, I'm probably going to go Stanford as well.
0: Okay, uh, Justin's picking Notre Dame. I, I agree with you guys. I think Bryce Love is just a little too much. And right now it's just too hard to pick Notre Dame after that loss to, to Miami because they got shellacked in that game. That was bad. And <coughs> so being on the road, I think it's hard to pick Notre Dame on the road in the in this situation. So I'm definitely going with Stanford here. All right, next up, we have number 14, Washington State. At number 15, Washington, the Apple Cup. As we've all known, uh, Washington is favored by nine in this one. Tyler?
2: I, I You know, Washington is kind of underachieved this year. Their record is good, but if you look at those wins, they, they've played a lot of close games against inferior opponents. But at the end of the day, a rivalry game at home, I think Chris Peterson's a better coach than Mike Leach. I think Washington finds a way to win this game.
0: Okay,
2: mm-hmm. Adam. Um, yeah,
1: so I've really, watching Washington, i watching Washington, um, the, I mean, the offense has obviously been good, but I've been really impressed by their defense, and for a Pac-12 team to look the way they have on defense and actually been able to maintain that, I've been fairly impressed with it, and I think that, Washington State, will. while their offense is, is like we talked about, super entertaining, super exciting and everything, I think they're going to get really frustrated going up against them, and I think that they're going to make some mistakes, and uh, I'm going to go with Washington on that one, because like you said, Chris Peterson is definitely, I think he is a better coach than Mike Leach.
0: All right. Uh, Justin also picked Washington, and I I find it hard to argue, and my friend Kurt who hopefully he's listening to this episode because we don't talk good about Washington very often. So <laughs> he's a big Washington fan. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I I agree with you, Adam. Uh, Washington's defense is just too good, I think. And that air, they could, I think they could slow down the air rate enough. And Washington State just doesn't play defense, and so I think Washington will score <laughs> the points. And I think Washington will come out with a win here. All right, on to number eight, Ohio State. At Michigan, which can only be known as the game. Ohio State is favored by eleven and a half in this one. Tyler.
2: That's not enough. They need to be favored by more. Uh, the The John Harbaugh honeymoon might be coming to an end very quickly. I, I see this game being similar to that Penn state, state game except it's in Ann Arbor. I think Ohio State is playing great football. In their victories this season, they've scored over 50 points per game on average. Michigan hasn't hit 40 points once this season. Uh, that that offense is bad. Ohio State, since losing to Iowa, has played with this rage because how would you not play for rage because you lost to Iowa? Ohio State wins by a landslide. <laughs> All right. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah,
1: I mean, that's definitely the truth. You lose to Iowa and you're pissed off because, like I said, don't want to lose to Iowa. But, yeah, I mean, um, I think after watching them uh, go against Michigan State and just roll them and just get to, like, their offense clicking and everything, I just – Michigan is such a young team now, and the honeymoon might be coming to an end with Harbaugh or they're going to you know give him a little bit of leeway for a couple of years. But – Either way, I just don't see him winning against Ohio State. It's just, it's just not this year. Maybe, maybe next year. Maybe the year after that, possibly. But just not, not this year. Not when they're pissed off and trying to earn their way back into to playoff hopes.
0: I agree with both of you. I, I, Justin picked Ohio State. I gotta go with Ohio State. Michigan can't score. I, right? I think it'll probably be a little closer game than maybe Tyler thinks it will be. But Ohio State definitely wins. All right, on to the quote-unquote game of the week. (laughs) Iowa at Nebraska, the Heroes game. (laughs) Iowa is favored by three. Tyler, give me your score prediction. Last time we were in Lincoln,
2: we lost in overtime. I think we find revenge in overtime to end the year. (laughs) I like uh, Chris Jones' interception and then a Drew Brown field goal in overtime to end the season. So, Huskers win 27 24. Okay. Okay, Adam. So, I'm going to go a little bit, uh, actually, a lot
1: higher scoring. Um, is still not going to get the defense figured out. He's still going to struggle. Iowa and Wadley are going to be able to run the ball. But I'm going to say the final score is 49 um, 42. And that's in favor of Nebraska.
0: Okay. Oh man, Justin's picking the score to be thirty-one to twenty-eight for Nebraska. And now I feel like a chump because I probably should have picked Iowa just to go against you bastards. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I just I just can't see. I think I think uh, the seniors come out and play hard for Mike Riley. I think the fans come out and support Mike Riley. Uh, I think Nebraska wins this game thirty-eight thirty-five. Fair enough. All right, well, it's about time to get out of here, guys. You guys, any closing thoughts, boys?
2: Let's just go Big Red.
0: Go Big go Red. Go Big Red.
2: Yeah. All right. Support it. Support it the end.
0: Okay, Adam, tell, tell our great fans how to follow you.
1: Um, you can find me on Twitter at AdamSuttonGBR. Um, I'm also on the HuskerHype.com website. I'll usually post my uh, recruiting updates for home visits. i uh, got an official tracker going on right now, and uh, that's about it.
0: Okay, I just want to give a special shout-out to uh, Nebraska Ball for getting to win this weekend over North Dakota, improving to 3-1 and one with a score of 92-70. to 70. They have Central Florida coming up on Thursday. And also to the girls out there showing the boys how to win here at Nebraska. Volleyball has improved to 24-4 and four overall and 17-1 and one mm-hmm. in Big Ten play. With their second-to-the-last la- second regular season matchup against Northwestern on Wednesday, let's go, let's go girls. Uh, thanks everybody for sticking through my bad hosting abilities. Join us next week when Justin takes back the reins. Remember to follow us on Facebook, Podbean, and and of course Twitter at HuskerCuzCast. Give us a review on iTunes, and as always, go big red. Go big red. <laughs>